Turn to your neighbor and say, are you awake today? If not, you better be, because Pastor Gene's about to bring the heat. All right, let's do it. Today, I'm so glad to be back with you today after spending time in convention, but I am excited to share with you. I want to start with this thought. Are you redeemed? We're going to talk about being redeemed today. Uh, being redeemed. And are you redeemed? That's a question. Have you ever thought about that word redeemed? What does the word redeemed mean? It should really have a significant part of a believer's life. You should understand what it means when you say, I've been redeemed. If someone asks you that question, what does it mean to be redeemed? You should have a working definition of what it means that God has redeemed my life and God wants to redeem your life, that God can redeem your life. You know, if we're called to be his hands and feet, and part of that is us giving and serving, and we do that. We give a lot of meals out, we we serve, we, we volunteer, we do a lot of things like that. But also part of being his hands and feet is also simply saying, I have a song that the angels can't sing. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. What does that mean? God wants to redeem you. He wants to redeem your life. No matter how great you think it is, we all need redeemed. No matter how bad you think it is, we can all be redeemed. What does the word redeem mean? It simply means to buy back. To buy back. When you redeem redeem something, you're you're buying it back. You see this used a lot. Maybe we redeem a coupon. You remember that? Redeem a coupon. If you take a dollar coupon for Jiffy peanut butter and you turn it into your grocery store, they're going to give you a dollar off. But what happens is when when that store receives that coupon, they come, they redeem it. You redeem it. What happens is they come into a contract with Jiffy peanut butter if they're going to give that grocer back a dollar for every coupon they turn in, it says a dollar off that they gave to you. They're going to make it that difference and they're going to pay that dollar. It's a binding contract for the provider, for the creator of the product. And today I want you to know that God wants to buy you back. And he doesn't just use a coupon. He uses the blood of his son, Jesus, to redeem us. That God wanted us to come back to him. God created us into him. And in the garden, sin separated us from God. And God says, I'm going to send my son to redeem you. I'm going to bring a redemption to you. On the cross, Jesus is drawing his last breath. And these are the words that he says in John 19, 28, and 30. Jesus knew that his what? His mission. Come on, let's say Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and fulfill the scripture. He said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked it in the sponge and they put it on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips. Just a little insight here. A hyssop branch and sponge is what they used to put the blood of the lamb over the doors during a Passover. So now we see it significant again now. As the soft branch is being lifted up now, they're given to Jesus' lips. He tasted and said, it, it is finished. Let's say it together. It is finished. One more time. It is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, what I want you to see here, he says, it is my mission that it is finished. My mission is finished. What was his mission? What was finished? What was he saying? The redemption, the redeeming of mankind. Now, the the redemption has taken place. 
that all who believe on the power of Jesus and where he died on the cross for my sin, it is finished. The power of sin in our life to take us down to a road of damnation, of eternal judgment, now it is finished. We have been redeemed by the Father. Jesus paid the price and redeemed you and I back to the Father. He bought us back by conquering sin. He put us back into right standing with the Father. It is finished. Jesus willingly gave up his life. The enemy didn't take his life from him. He gave up his life. He volunteered. That's how it's redeemed. He gave his life for the redemption of all sins of the world. They did. The world didn't take it from him. He gave it to us. For Jesus to have shouted out the words, it is finished. Think about that. On the cross, the last thing he did before he committed his spirit into the hands of the Father, before he took his last breath on the cross, what happened? He says it is finished. Listen, it wasn't, the Bible says it wasn't just a whisper. It wasn't just like, Father, it's finished, as he's grasping for his last breath. No, the, the Bible says when you go back and study the definition, it, it was like a holy roar. And the reason why I want you to see that this was even a miracle in itself, because by this time, Jesus had just suffered a, a cruel and punishing death. His body was swelling and he was drowning from his own fluids. His lungs were filled with fluids. His joints would have been out of socket by now. His feet and hands nailed to the cross. And, and so for him to get the strength to let that out, he would have had to put pressure back up on his hands and feet, on the nails, and bring up his body and speak above the fluid and the swelling. So for him to say, it is finished, it was only something that Jesus could have done. That even death didn't have the power to stop the finished work of the cross. That he declared it. Not only was that happening in the spiritual, Jesus declared it in the physical right then. It is finished. What was finished? The redemption of mankind. That he redeemed us. That the offering for the sin, the punishment for sin had been taken care of. And all who would follow under the blood of Jesus, believing in him as the Messiah and Savior, would now walk redeemed back into right relationship with the Father. Why do we need redeemed? Why do we need redeemed? Some of you may be asking that question. Pastor, why, why do we need redeemed? Well, Genesis 3, look what it says here in verses 1 through 5. The serpent was the shrewdest of the wildest animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, talking about Eve, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees of the garden? And he goes, of course we may eat from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And the Satan said, you won't, you won't die. No, you won't die. That's what the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. It was the one thing. It was the one thing. God said you can have all the, you can eat of all the fruit of the trees. This is only one thing you can't eat of. This is what I'm telling you. There's one thing I told you to stay away from. How many think they were, they were pretty dumb? Come on, raise your, 
If you think, come on, let's just be honest. How many, this is still poll today. How many think Adam and Eve had to be really dumb to eat the one thing? Anybody here? Yeah. How many know we're about as dumb, right? Because we'll have all these good choices and we'll find the one dumb thing to do to run my marriage. I'll find the one dumb thing to do to run my relationship. I'll find the one dumb thing to do to run my, my integrity. I, we'll do things, but we'll find, we'll gravitate toward the one thing we're not supposed to do. What I think is right is right. Write this down. Number one, sin is choosing my truth over God's truth and my will over God's will. Listen to me, especially the younger generation today. I want you to hear this. This is so important because there is such a push now that your truth is the truth. And I want to be very clear. I want you to be wise. I want you to be wise beyond your years. I want you to be mature beyond your years when it comes to understanding your truth is not the truth. There's only one way. There's only one truth, and it still remains. The Word of God is still the truth that we live our life by. It doesn't mean your feelings aren't real or even justified. But when it comes to truth, I can't say just because I don't like something, I can avoid it. I don't have to agree with it. What I think is right needs to be right. See, my sin, the sin Adam and Eve had, was not eating the fruit. It was choosing to do their own will. Listen to me. Look at this. God's truth trumps our truth every time. If I don't know if it's true or not, if I want to do it, but God says it's not right, then it's wrong. God's truth continues to trump. Well, I want to live this lifestyle. I want to go this way. I want to act this way because that's the way I want to act. Listen, it doesn't make it right. If God says it's wrong, it's still wrong. God's truth trumps God's truth every time. We can't change what God says is wrong just because we don't agree with it. We can't change what God says is wrong just because we don't like it. We, we, we got to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. That means I sacrifice my will for the will of the Father. God, what do you want me to do? Adam and Eve didn't sin because they just ate of the fruit. No, they had sinned because they chose to do what God asked them not to do. They sinned because they chose to do their will and not the will of the Father. They chose to go, go against God's will. Romans 5, 12 and 13, look what it says. When Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, sin now enters the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any laws to break. And so the only sin that was committed was in the garden. Until after that, the only sin was committed when God brought the Ten Commandments, right? Brings the law. And now he says, I want you to start living according to the law. And there's going to be punishment for those who don't live up to the law, the standard I'm setting. Because Adam and Eve were all born to sin. Because of Adam and Eve, we are all born into sin. And the Bible says it very clearly. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means even your grandma who never missed a day of church in her life, she never even had a drink of NyQuil. We've all sinned. Whether you got one small sin or you, you've sinned a lot, we've all fallen short of God's standard. Because Adam and Eve sinned, now they brought sin nature 
into the world. So now we are all born in with a sin nature. Have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach our children how to be selfish? I went, you know, I was like, listen, now take all your toys and keep them to yourself. Don't share or play with anybody else. We, we don't have to teach our kids that, do we? They automatically were born with this nature of a selfish nature. What's one of the first words they say? Not mommy, daddy, is what? Mine. Mine. They, they learn that word fast. Mine. I mean, it's something we, we learn fast. We, it's something we, we come to understand that God is inside all of us. There's a sin nature that turns us selfish, that says mine, my, my will, what I want. It's what I want. That's why we spend the first key years in preschool and kindergarten teaching children how to simply just to share, how to get along with others, and how to obey, right? Am I right, Lisa? You're an authority on early childhood development. Am I telling you? We spend a lot of time teaching children how to share, how to obey, and how to get along well with others. She's like, yes, I taught that to my kids. And she's just now praying that it would happen with her teenagers as well. God, just kidding, guys. Love you. But it's something we, we reason why we have to do that because our instinct and our nature is a sin. We're, we're born into sin. And it's my will. What I want is right. I'll do what I want. And we're, we have to teach and break that in our children because life doesn't work that way. But let me tell you, it doesn't work that way with the father either. We can't just do what we want and expect no consequences. There's a reason why we're teaching our children how to share, how to obey. Why? Because we know that there's going to be consequences. If we don't learn this lesson at an early age, there will be consequences that will follow. So it's important that we teach our children at an early age that God deserves all. And his will trumps our will. His law trumps our law. We put him above everything else. Why? Because there's consequences when you don't follow that. Was God trying to control you? No. He's trying to protect you. His laws are not there to control you, to manipulate you, but his laws are there to protect you, to protect your children, to protect your marriage, to protect your job, to protect your health. He's put them there to protect you. He knows what's best. He's trying to do it. Listen, we, we are all born with a sin nature. That's why it's clear that we understand the virgin birth. The virgin birth was necessary because the virgin birth allowed Jesus to bypass, to bypass being conceived in the natural way and being born of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he wasn't born with a sinful nature. He's the only one, the Bible says, he's the only one to live the perfect life without sin. He was tempted, yes, but he was able to overcome that. Why? Because he was born out of the Holy Spirit. The way that Adam was supposed to be born in the garden and created in Eve, they were supposed to walk spotless before God, walking in communion with God. And they failed when they said, I'm going to do my own will and do my own thing. They brought sin into the world. And now you and I are born out of Adam and Eve's genealogy. We come and now we bring a sinful nature with us. We all need redeemed. God, needs, God has a plan of redemption for our life, and we all need this plan of redemption. So Jesus becomes the second Adam. The first Adam failed, 
But before he fell, God even had a backup plan. He had a second Adam in mind. His name was Jesus. Jesus was able to do what we could not do on our own. He was able to live a sin-free life. Jesus always chose God's truth over his truth. He said, I don't come to do my will, but I come to do the will of the Father. If you hear me say anything, it's from the Father. If I do anything, it's from the Father. In the garden, Father, not my will, but yours be done. When you pray, pray this prayer. Our Father in heaven, let your will be done, not our will. He continues to say that over and over again. And Jesus models this truth. You know, our kids, you ever notice this, that when our preschoolers, by the time they had the first couple of Christmases, they got a bunch of junk, don't they? I mean, and you can sit in front of them, all the flashy, noisy toys, all the bright and yellow things, all the things that push and go, do, 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 lights lighting up and all these things that make all these fancy sounds and noises and toys. And you put them down in front of them because they're learning to crawl, learning to walk. And you're like, yes, now they can play. And I don't have to babysit so much. I just put all these things. And you'll surround them full circle with all these neat gadgets and toys they got. And what would they do? They'll go right past them and go right for the power plug, won't they? Boom. That's the reason why they sell those little plugs in the store. Why? Because our, our kids will go right to the one thing that's dangerous for them. I mean, no one has to teach them that. They go right for the power cord. They go right for the plug-in. Give me a fork. Let's stick it in there. Let's see what happens. Uh, they they want to go right ahead and play with it. Even if you say, no, don't do that. No, no. You just bat their hand. They still want, they still want to go test it out. They got to they gotta find out for themselves. That's going to hurt. That's hot. That's going to burn. And when much as we try to stop them, oftentimes it takes them experiencing the pain to understand the lesson. But isn't it amazing that they just bypass all of that to get to that? Boy, that's just what Adam and Eve did. They bypassed all the good that God had for them just to gravitate toward the one bad. And we do the same thing as adults if we're not careful. We'll overlook all the good God's got for my life, all the good he wants to do in my life, all the goodness of his will, and I'll find the one thing that'll destroy my life. It's a sin nature. It's in us. And we got to be redeemed. We got to break it through the power of the blood of Jesus something that God wants us to learn and do is to choose his will over our will. Satan lied to Eve, didn't he? He said, if you eat it, you won't die. She dead. She died. And he lied. Eat it, you won't die. She dead, she died. Knowing that she die, it cost her her son's life as well. The big question people ask is simply, why doesn't God just forgive everyone of every sin? Why did he have to send Jesus to die? Why couldn't, if God's so good, why couldn't he just forgive everybody of every sin without having Jesus' blood shed? Well, let me ask you this then. So you're, what you're telling me is this, that Hitler should get a pass Right? Does it seem like justice to you? No. How about, the, okay, how about serial killers? They should get a pass. I mean, where do, where do you draw the lines is what I'm asking you. 
Where, where, what's, the, what's the power? These people are forgiven and these people are not forgiven. These people are forgiven, but these people have done too much. And where do you draw that line? And I could answer it. If I asked every one of you the question, I could answer the same question for you here. The line we would draw would be right here, right? We would draw it right next to us. Like, I want to make sure I'm on the good side and the people are being punished are on the bad side. So where do you draw that line? Number one, how do you, how do you bring justice? And you see all throughout the Old Testament, you see the justice of God. You see the judgment of God. God is showing. God is bringing the Ten Commandments. He brings the laws through the prophets. And he says, live up to it or you're going to suffer. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They constantly failed. They constantly, and they constantly suffered at the judgment of God. They constantly had the judgment of God. They got put in exile. They got sold off to slavery. They had famines. I mean, all this judgment continued to come and come because they were not able to live up to God's standard. So the whole Old Testament teaches us, even if we want to, we can't do it on our own. Because of the sin nature that's automatically in us, there's no way... We can live up to that standard where we are perfect. We've all sinned and we're all, we've all faced it. And so if we've all sinned, that means this, that we've all now faced eternal judgment. From the minute we walk in sin and commit our first sin, we are now heading toward a eternal judgment. Eternal punishment is now in our future because sin demands punishment. Doing your own will demands punishment to God because his standard is so high. God's perfection means only one sin is needed to make us unworthy. God is fully justice, but he's also fully love and fully mercy. God is fully love and he's fully mercy, but he's also fully justice. And his justice demands payment. Restitution must be paid for the sins. And the problem is this, because we have sinned, none of us can make that payment. So the fact that his son willingly gave his life to come to live a sinless life, he now became the perfect sacrifice. And when he died on the cross, he now died and it says, it is finished. What's finished? The redemption of our sins. It's now been finished. It's now the good news is this. His justice has been served, and Jesus took the punishment for you and I. So write this down, number two. God, in his great love, gives everyone an opportunity to choose him. Uh, let me say this to you today. God is moving in your life right now when you don't even know it. God's moving in your life when you didn't even see it. God's moving in your life even when you didn't feel it. From the moment we commit our first sin... We're walking toward the wrath of God. We're walking toward the punishment of God. But the good news is this about God. He provided the way out. The good news is he provided the way out. It gives us time to redeem by the blood of Jesus. Hear me. You have time to redeem your sins by the blood of Jesus. It's the good news of the gospel. Look what 1 Peter 2.23 says. He did not retaliate, talking about Jesus, when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally, hear this, Jesus personally carried our sins 
in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Jesus gave himself up for the redemption of our sins on the cross. This is why it was necessary for him to go to the cross. Our sins demanded a punishment. And Jesus said, Father, I will do this. Father, I will go there. Father, I will give up my life for the redemption of man. The only thing that can erase our sins is the blood of Jesus. Hear me today. The only thing that can erase our sins is the blood of Jesus. The only thing that can redeem us is the blood of Jesus. Not just by living a good life, just not doing what's right in my eyes. Because anytime we do what's right in our eyes, most of the time it always leads to a path of destruction. Hitler thought he was doing what was right in his eyes. Adam and Eve thought they were doing what was right in their eyes. The world is full of people who think they're doing right, but they're not. Because it's their truth doesn't mean it's God's truth. Remember, not my truth, but God's truth must prevail. The world is full of other religions. But Pastor, we're all going the same place. No, we're not. We're not, okay? I know maybe you heard that, you read that. That's not true. We're not all going to the same place just because we all involved in a religion. Religion doesn't save anybody. Only Jesus can save. Well, they, they believe in God. They believe in, in a God, but they don't believe in the God. It's a difference. See, other religions, this is the difference between Christianity and other religions. Other religions put me in the center. If I do what's right, then I'll get a reward. If I do so much for this religion, then I'll be rewarded for my good deeds. And if I continue to do this, so many things, I practice all these spiritual laws, then I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm doing it. And it puts me, it's all about me, what I do, what I do. And the problem is this, I am flawed. I have a sinful nature. I have committed sin and so have you. And so when we put us at the center, we don't have the power to forgive anything. I can't forgive sins. I can forgive you if you hurt for me. Only when Jesus has redeemed me and helped me have that power. But only Jesus had the power to come and break the bonds of sin. To break the power of sin. And to look up even on the cross and say, it is finished. Listen, you don't have to live bound to sin in your life. You don't have to live addicted in your life. It is finished. Through the blood of Jesus, you can be set free and redeemed. It's about full surrender, isn't it? Look at this statement. Jesus lived the life we should have lived. And he died the death we should have died. Isn't that amazing? Think about it. Jesus lived the life God intended for Adam and Eve to live. One without sin. In constant communion with God. In constant walking in the power of God. They sinned. The judgment of sin is cast upon all of us because now we walk in sinful nature. And now we deserve death. But instead of giving us death, Jesus came, walked it out the way we should have walked it out. And then he died and said, step back. I got this. I know you deserve the cross, but step back. I got this. I know you deserve the stripes, but step back. I got this for you. Why? 
because he loved us this much. But even when we followed our own will, even when we chose our own truth, he said, I will die for them. And so now we are all living. Do you realize we're all living in the time of grace right now? I know God's full of grace. Let me tell you, whether you're saved or not saved, you're living in a time of grace. That's what I want you to get. You're already living in a time of grace because God could, if he wanted to, say because of your sin, boom, immediate death, immediate punishment. But instead, he allows us to have time to be redeemed. He allows us to have time to say, Father, forgive me of my sins. He allows us to have time to say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins to be erased. That's grace. That's grace. And he gives us time to find redemption. He gives us time to choose. And then everyone has the choice. Do you choose to follow him or do you choose to follow your own way? It's just what Jesus wants us to do. When Jesus cried out, it is finished. What was he saying? What was he saying? It is finished. The debt of Adam and Eve is finished. The debt is finished. And all we have to do is believe in him. You mean I don't have to do all these other things first? No, you just simply say right now, Father, I believe you are the Father. And I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I now surrender to your will, and I'm going to spend the rest of my days learning your truth. Doing my best to follow your truth. Doing my best to surrender my will to your will. It's called grace. It is so big that he gave it to all of us here today. We're walking in grace. Whether you've accepted Jesus, you're already walking in grace. But the difference is this. Those who accept Jesus walk in not only grace here on earth, but they'll walk on grace for eternity. And instead of receiving the punishment, they'll receive a reward. Instead of receiving eternal hell damnation, now they're going to receive heaven as their home. They're going to live in a place of worship and joy and happiness, a festive atmosphere where we're worshiping and we're eating together and we're worshiping together. And I'm going to say, man, your mansion looks really good. Have you checked out my mansion? Jesus made for me. Have you seen my crowns? I gave to you. He gave it to me. Look at, these, look at these streets of gold. Look at these gates made of pearl. Well, I didn't deserve this, but the grace of God, it gave it to me. Are you redeemed? What does it mean to be redeemed? The last thing I want to give you here, right? The saving grace of God is found by believing in Jesus. The saving grace of God is found by believing in Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Hear me, please, I beg of you, hear me today. If you don't hear anything else, I tell you, Jesus is the only way. Islam will not get you to heaven. Buddha will not get you to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Being good doesn't get you to heaven. Mom and dad don't get you to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Wide is the path of destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. It's Jesus. 
The grace is this, that I, I can walk through it. No matter how bad I've been, I can walk through it when I believe in Jesus. I can receive it by choosing his will over my will. I've blown it in my life, Pastor. That's all right. We've all blown it. But you don't understand, I've blown it a lot. Well, so have we. We've all blown it a lot. But the grace of God is so big that it redeems us. We have been forgiven. We have been redeemed. Everyone has God's grace right now. Accept it. Walk in it. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. If you've been redeemed, walk like you've been redeemed. Act like you've been redeemed. Without Jesus, we're heading to a path of destruction. And the payment for our destruction is hell. I don't want anyone here to go there. Don't send yourself there. God's not sending you. You send yourself there when you reject. And say, I reject God's will. Jesus went through everything he did so that we don't have to face the wrath of God. And Jesus went through everything he did so that you and I would not have to face the wrath of God. Surrender to Jesus means letting go of my truth and choosing his truth. Look at this last scripture I'm going to read you here. Romans 10, 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let me change that last word. You will be redeemed. That's what it means. I can't be good. I'm not going to be good enough. Because his standard is perfection, my one sin or a million sins means I am not worthy of God's love and grace. I'm not worthy of it. I've been cast because God's standard is perfection. But there was a man who came, his name was Jesus who lived up to that standard. And he gave his life on the cross for you and I. He says, Father, I will redeem him. And his blood now shed so that you and I can receive this grace that we didn't deserve. You and I can receive this grace and forgiveness we don't deserve. But that's how much God loves you. He's fully justice, but he's also fully love and mercy. Have you been redeemed today? If so, I want you to have that definition. You need to understand what it means. Redeemed means so much more than what you think. It means he has taken me, redeemed me. He bought me back through the blood of Jesus. He bought me back on the cross. I've been bought back. What greater love than a man would come and buy me back when I didn't deserve it. He, He bought me back into the family. He adopted me back. And now God treats me the way he treats his son, Jesus, because Jesus redeemed me. I've been redeemed. I want you to bow your heads. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I've never been redeemed. I've never surrendered my life fully to Jesus. And as you share today, I'm understanding it's, it's more than just coming to church because church doesn't redeem you. Jesus redeems us. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior personally, it's more than just coming to church. I mean, it's, it's about confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. We won't do anything to single you out. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you, I promise you. But if that's you and say, Pastor, today I'm, I'm ready. Just raise your hand. Let me see you and say, I'm ready to be redeemed. I'm ready to give my life. Thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you raising your hands. If you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me out loud. 
as Christians around you, we'll help you along as well. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you've been redeemed today. Give God a hand, clap of praise.